Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is March 20th, 2022. This is Tony in Saskatchewan, and this is another Canadian common sense rant. On a programming note, Lewis and I did try to make a full episode this morning, and we got about five minutes into it, I think, before our software decided that it was not going to allow us to continue to record. So we will be bringing you a full edition of the show on Tuesday. However, we had so much content spilling out for what would have been today's show that we really needed to spill it over into a couple of rants in order to get everything out for you anyway. So I don't feel too terrible about a couple of days delay for the full show because you are going to end up hearing a couple of rants anyway. So here's one of them. What is on Tony's mind today? Well, the province of Ontario is actually on my mind today. And more specifically in Ontario, it would be the Ontario NDP. Now, big surprise that, the, that an NDP anywhere would tick me off because I'm not a fan of the New Democratic Party anywhere. So what do they have going on that's, that's bugging me now? Well, two things, actually. Number one, and thankfully this was only a suggestion of theirs and it's not actually been turned into a bill or pending government policy, but the Ontario NDP, because there is an election coming up in Ontario in just a couple of months' time, the Ontario NDP suggested that the the voting age in Ontario should be lowered to 14 years of age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you heard me right. The Ontario NDP suggested that the voting age should be lowered to 14. Um, in a lot of provinces, 14 isn't even old enough to get a learner's permit to drive. Um, it is in some provinces. Here in Saskatchewan, it's 15. So, But at 14, the Ontario NDP figures you should be responsible enough to vote. At 14, I wasn't even responsible enough to have a girlfriend or to get my homework done or, for that matter, even to show up to school every day. So I probably wasn't old enough, responsible enough, mature enough to vote. And at 14, I'd already been a political animal for six years of my life. I, you know, I was already engaged reading and following politics, but at 14... <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not old enough to vote. Um, when Lewis and I were talking about that this morning, however, he did make the point that, of course, an NDP would want 14-year-olds voting because 14-year-olds are idealistic and immature and don't have a clue how the world actually works. And a lot of them, a majority of them, would probably vote NDP or Green or Marxist-Leninist. So, of course they want the 14-year-olds to vote. Especially when there is a progressive conservative government in Ontario, because all those 14-year-olds would punt that progressive conservative government out because the school system, run by leftists, would definitely have students thinking more of an NDP frame of mind. And speaking of the school system... 
That's what else has got me ticked off. There is a private member's bill going through the Ontario legislature right now. It is Bill 67. It is the Racial Equity in Education Act, I believe is what it's called. And already I'm sure some of you out there listening have are feeling hair standing up on the back of your neck just by my saying this. This act, Bill 67, has gone through third reading and is ready to become law. I don't know if conservatives got duped into supporting this legislation or shamed into supporting this legislation, or if, like is the case in federal politics, you've just got a lot of really dumb people in politics in Ontario. And that's possible because that certainly is, a, is the case no, everywhere else in Canada. Bill 67 is going to make it law that all educational institutions in Ontario must adopt what essentially breaks down to critical race theory. And I know our listeners in the United States will know exactly what that is because critical race theory has been in the news a lot in the United States for, well, a good year, maybe even longer. And... It looks like it's coming here, Canada. Now, it's not called critical race theory in Canada, of course. It's racial equity. And of course, it always sounds good to say equity. The word equity actually shows up 54 times in this bill. The word equality, never. Not even one mention. But people confuse the words equity and equality, so they they, they play along. Equity and equality don't mean the same thing. But yes, equity, and it's worded in the legislation that people who work in educational institutions in Ontario, and that means schools, obviously, that means universities, colleges, and their governing bodies, all would have to take anti-racism training. And I mean, if you uh, if you've been paying attention to the news for the last couple of years in Canada or the U.S., you already know that this is going south fast. So in this anti-racism training, which to me is just racism training, all people who work in these educational institutions and, and we're mainly talking to instructors, of course, would have to every couple of years make certain that they take training to help themselves get rid of their anti-black, anti-indigenous, anti-Asian, anti-2SLGBTQ++ pound star XYZ LMNOP training, anti-Semitism, anti-whatever isn't Caucasian. And it's actually specifically laid out that there's no need for, you know, to remove their anti-Caucasian bias, especially anti-Caucasian male bias. In fact, that it, Caucasians, especially Caucasian males, would be the only group not on the list, therefore would be actually encouraged to be discriminated against. So, yes, discriminate against Caucasian males or Caucasian females, but more Caucasian males, because of course, Caucasian males are the, 
the truly evil oppressive ones, right? So that's actually exactly what it spells out. I'm not even kidding. It actually spells out that they're encouraged to discriminate against Caucasian males because the Caucasian males have created this uneven playing field for everybody else in society. Which is why the words white privilege show up everywhere nowadays. And then, of course, because women are also oppressed and women are also considered a minority, even though women are 52% of Canada's population, it is really the white males that are the oppressive patriarchs in our society. I mean, I, I know that you're probably asking yourself right now, okay, well, why is it then that in Canada that East Asians tend to do a lot better academically than Caucasian males. East Asians tend to do a lot better financially than Caucasian males. Caucasian females tend to perform academically much better than Caucasian males. But Caucasian males are, are the oppressors and are the ones who need to be discriminated against in order to level the playing field. I don't get that. What I do get, however, is that if there's any kind of privilege in this country or in North American society in general, privilege does not come from one's skin color. Privilege comes from, well, I'll be honest, it comes from actually having a good family. You want to know why Asians do better in, in North American society? It's because Asians often have a good family structure. They often have good nuclear families, mother and father and kids who all are willing to work together, support each other, love each other, and be there for each other so that they all can succeed together. What a concept. You really want to, want to, want to succeed in this life? Well, family. Instead of encouraging families to break up because one spouse doesn't put the bloody toothpaste cap back on the on the toothpaste tube. No, instead they actually decide we're going to work through our differences, stay together, support each other, love each other, and actually build each other up instead of tearing each other down. And instead of blaming each other or blaming one group for all society's ills, why don't we ask ourselves why we as North American society have been trying to tear the family apart for the last 40 years. Why we've been trying to make it easier to break a family up than it is to fight together and fight together for something rather than fight against one another. I mean, you really want to get rid of some of society's ills like poverty? Well, try to boost up the family. You want to get rid of homelessness? Turn to your family. Addictions? Family! What is wrong with actually having family values? Because that's what we're seeing in a lot of our East Asian cultures. And they're succeeding. They're thriving. They're outperforming the, I guess you want to call them native North Americans, the Caucasian North Americans who have been told for the last 40 years that family is a bad thing. Well, it's being proven by, well, a lot of immigrant communities that family actually is a good thing. 
and family is why they are succeeding. It's nothing to do with skin color, ladies and gentlemen. It has a lot more to do with family and succeeding together. That's the real privilege in this society, folks. Privilege does not have anything to do with skin color. You want to see privilege out there? Look at family. So how about Ontario? You take your Bill 67 and shove it. But unfortunately, Ontario, it's already going through your legislature. So you need to get a hold of your MPPs and say, what the hell is Bill 67 even doing going as far as it has through the legislature? How about instead of trying to write into law that it is legal to discriminate against one particular segment of society, why don't we instead say, why don't we encourage all of our society to work together and actually act like a Canadian family? Wow, what a concept. All of us being equal, working together. <laughs> I know, how un-Canadian of me.